0: My name is Ed and you're listening to FabRadioInternational.com and the show is The Bookworm. I'm your host and I'm here with... ...Name for So, today on the show I'll be reviewing Bone by Jeff Smith.
1: That's huge.
0: It is. uh, It's a very large bone. I I like playing with my bone.
1: Um, I'm going to be looking at something a little bit more uh, romantic with a touch of magic and it's The Spell of Summer by Diana Hardy.
0: And our interview should be A.J. Dalton. So with book news, firstly, Convention Secundus is happening.
1: Woo! So it's uh, going ahead at the end.
0: Yes, you can do. Uh, you can do like yeah. a Google, and you can. Um, convention Secundus is indeed happening. Uh, also, in the news of amazing stuff and fantastic stuff, Francis Harding Yay! won the British uh, Fantasy. That's she did award.
1: because she's awesome.
0: It's it's really good i mean there's there's a load of stuff on that list and it is a really really good list mm. um and i was i was i'm basically the short version is i was completely delighted we were we I, we not out of fantasy con and we were in the car driving down from from other adventures <laughs> yeah other adventures other adventures and um yeah it was just like yay of all the people who you know should win something um yes then then it was Definitely them. So what else is happening? Uh, definitely Frances Harding. I love your song. I just think it's a wonderful book, to be honest. I
1: have it on my bookshelf. I haven't read it yet, but I might, I might do and, and review it soon.
0: I I predict big things for Frances. in oh, yeah. fairness. I I think now now that she's actually started to get some recognition, I think anyone who's looking for that sort of dark fairy tale, which is in at the moment, but she's oh not, absolutely she, she doesn't write from a from a point of view of that. She just you know mm. has a lot of fun. Uh, with that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, coming up a little on the show, actually, we've got an interview with A. E. G. Dalton, who was at Fest, and one of the conversations that we the, the, that was going on was about um, the differences between writing for, com- for a commercial interest and the differences from writing from the heart. And it's funny how normally when you're writing from the heart, that tends to be more effective than going, actually, if I write this, this will sell. Mm-hmm. But that's a, that's a different sort of a I I
1: find idea. that, you know, um, you write what you feel like writing and then someone will find it and someone will make it commercial because it, if it's good it's good, it doesn't matter whether it's in or not
0: Um. so yes, so what else is happening in the world of books, again we, we were talking about this a little while on the show there is going to be very soon uh, an amazing a book countdown
1: uh, oh is that the
0: um, the kind of top ten
1: yeah the top ten for the e-books that the booksellers putting together.
0: Um, also, and we might uh, touch on this later on the show uh, towards the end of the show. There's this, this fascinating little thing going on with Buck Rogers. So, Buck Rogers originally came out way back when in
1: 1929.
0: Okay. And oh, one, one of the things with with Buck was that um, he was he wasn't really well, very well defined in his first novel. So the original the original creators kind of wrote it, and then they got he got together with uh, a, a Chicago um, news editor, uh, Mr. Dial, uh, and they kind of worked together to create the book Rogers that we kind of know and what, know and love. Now, both of those died in the fifties. Both mm-hmm. of those creators died mm-hmm. in the fifties, uh, and because it's an American idea, as I understand copyright, the copyright has now passed pretty much. It's in the process of. You know, part of it is completely gone because one of the creators is very much dead. Mm. Uh, And the other one, is kind of in the process of, if it's not out of copyright, it will almost be out of copyright soon. Um, However, the dial estate is still pursuing kind of copyright licensing. All right. And asking for people to contribute to the estate. Mm Okay. Which is interesting. And what's happened is... Uh, it, mostly what it's done is it's just discouraged anyone from doing it having anything to do with But Rogers because you know, we haven't really heard from book stories in a while, really. And and the kind of pulp action heroes at Penny these days. Uh. Um however there's a there's a company called Angry Films that are trying to make their own But Rogers movie and this is where it gets really interesting. One of one of Dial's descendants, Flint Dial, has written the script. Hey. But the Dallas state is still pursuing the production company for the costs, so there's a, there's a whole load. it's like it's the same thing as the Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes estate where there was a whole load of adventure and shenanigans
1: going the, on. The
2: there. Sherlock thing is a nightmare um, and there are apparently some stories he still can't do because of nonsense. The whole area of copyright law um, is a mess it's different in different countries for different yeah, formats is, yeah. um, depending on when the person died depending on when something was recorded depending on you know when the recording of a piece of music was made depends on whether it's in copyright or not Depending, irrespective of who the composer is the entire situation is a mess and somebody somewhere needs to sit down and come up with some sort of universally applied system of copyrights for everything but it's just never going to happen at least not anytime soon
0: because commercial interests are always going to spend money and try and stop it from happening if it goes against their particular set of interests.
2: <laughs> the problem is that, that you know, the, the, in music, the problem is the Cliff Richard problem, which is that Cliff Richard has managed to survive so long and have a pop career that's been so long that copyright on some of the things he recorded is now gone. Um, he's own copyright for that, and he's he ain't dead yet, you know, um, whereas if you would written down as a book he'd have another hundred and some years probably before anybody had to worry about that Um, because copyright and books is death plus 70 years or whatever it is. Um,
0: Depending on country.
2: Depending on country. Yeah. Uh, Which is why the last few Terry Pratchett books have been technically co-authored by him and his wife.
0: Yes. Which is also quite interesting. Yeah. And also very sad because it shouldn't have to be like that. No. Mm. But
2: But, you know, if you're a writer or a musician and you're getting paid, you know, buttons for your work, then, you know, you need the extra 50, 70, 100 years, whatever it turns out to be, to be able to exploit that so that you've got something to give to your kids. But the the, system's
0: a mess. The system is a mess, and it's, you know, you want to create a system that is fair fair for families, essentially, so families can still continue to survive after after the, the creator is gone but on the other hand you don't want to create a system of professional can you
1: not sort of see my my my, my thinking would be um, I mean this is your stuff you wrote it you, you created it uh, surely that's your possession that you should be able to live so if I put in my will this is for my daughter my daughter puts well this is included for my own son or whatever surely then that should be it Mm. and the moment that there isn't a family that's when you put A okay, should the family line extinguish then a hundred years later uh, it's, it's you know, fair game for anyone mm. that wants to play with it 50 years, however many yeah, years Yeah,
2: and then you get the and Barry thing where of course he gave the rights to Great Ormond Street to Peter Pan uh,
1: Yeah, so you know if I want to do However, I, whatever I want to do with my creations, mm. surely that's my prerogative. Yeah. But
2: the, the, but the thing is, if, if you're at the point where you've got something like a big volume of works like J.M. Barry has got Peter Pan, which is obviously needs huge, protecting. Yeah. Terry okay. Pratchett's got the entire body of Discworld and all the other stuff he's done. This is why you should appoint artistic um, literary executors mm. uh, in your will, specifically to deal with that stuff, because they're going to be dealing with that for 50, 100 years, as you say. Yeah. That's a different subject, well, <laughs> yeah, we could talk about uh, this. I could talk though, about this for quite
1: some know. time. I mean, I, I know that there's some budding authors out there that that listen, and it's interesting to know what, what things you need to have in place, because I would never think to have a specific type of lawyer for anything that I've written.
0: There's, a, there's actually a marvellous book called How the Writer Got Screwed, mm-hmm. um, which is essential reading. If you are, it's uh, I believe it's called the the wood. For, is it with the wood for the trees? How the right got screwed? Something like that, yeah. Um, and it, 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 it's uh, it's 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 forest the for the trees. Forest for the trees. Forest it's uh, it's on the book room secret shelf somewhere. Mm. Um, and it is a marvellous. It just basically sits you sits you down and explains to you. You know the the the. It, it's like any other job, you know. Any other job, the, there's a level of stuff that you don't want to do, and almost certainly that's going to be the legal gobbins when it comes to. When it comes to being a writer. But um yes. Um, so, what else has been going on in the world of books? Or are we good? Um, we're, we're, I'm we're, sure we're there's good. plenty it's but right now. Nothing.
2: nothing
0: yeah. to <laughs> mind.
2: Anybody got any submission windows open that we should know about?
0: Um, actually, uh, I think we've talked about these before. Mm. But HarperCollins will be having one opening very soon. Um, there will there is a Harper Voyager, sorry Harper Voyager, Harper Collins wearing their masks as Harper Voyager will be wa- uh, opening. Um, too
2: confusing.
0: Uh, a submissions window uh, in November, which we're heading towards very soon. we're In November, right now, in fact.
2: Oh, Goland's direct submissions.
0: Galan's have opened their direct mm. submissions window as well. Um, if you are if you happen to be American, there is a, um, <laughs> if you happen to be American, <laughs> then you can enter the St- Schuster and Schuster Star Trek one. And yes. uh, Angry Robot, of course, are having a submission to Windows as well. Um, but they always have one at the end of the year.
1: Oh, uh, oh, There's a new Neil Gaiman anthology coming out. Justin, time for Christmas. Oh, goodness, oh. really? Yes. Cunning, um, Mr. Gaiman, Coming. It was uh, on headlines on Twitter, on their Twitter, um, not long ago. Let me see if I can bring it up. This radio, because it it's in fanta- the TARDIS. It is fantastic it's radio. It's bad. It's, it's, it's it's because I
0: can't yeah. get any signal. Well, that's because it's the wrong sort of a TARDIS. But anyway, Neil Gaiman has a book out. Of course, he does because he's Neil Gaiman. Yeah, it's Shall-
1: an anthology. It looks really cool. But I'll I'll find out more. Dig up some more information. Probably talk about it next uh, next up uh, show.
0: Next show. Shall we get on to the bit where we talk about books? more books? Let's have some adverts. <laughs> So, uh, today I will be reviewing Jeff Smith's Bone. Uh, I have the one one volume edition. Um, It's a Harvey Award winning novel. It's an Eisner Award winning novel. Um, If I was to drop it onto my cat, I wouldn't have a cat anymore. Um,
1: (laughs) If you dropped it on your foot, you wouldn't have a foot anymore. anymore.
0: (laughs) Um, It is quite thick. It is quite large. Um, And yes, it's, it's, it's it's a very large bone shall we say. Oh,
1: Ed. So
0: no. I will avoid making terrible, terrible jokes. Too late. Um, after being run out of Boneville, the three bone cousins, Phone Bone, Phony Bone, and Smiley Bourne, uh, are separated and lost uh, are lost in a vast, uncharted desert. One by one, they find their way into a deep forested valley, a valley filled with wonderful and terrifying creatures. The genius behind Bone is this. The main three characters are essentially three-panel cartoon strip characters, like Snoopy. So they're very, very exaggerated, kind of, you know, the Bourne brothers, the Bourne, Bourne, Bourne cousins, um, are very simply done. They have... This is a comic book, by the way, in case it you haven't It looks like depth.
1: Casper with a big nose.
0: Yeah, it looked like Casper with a big nose. They're very, very, very simple-looking creatures, and they look like the sort of thing that you'd get in a gag strip. The thing is they've gotten lost, haven't they? They've wandered off their pages and they found themselves into the pages below where they found themselves into a dark fantasy comic book instead. And this basically means that everyone else in this world, except for the Bones, are beautifully drawn, they look more real, they look more like, you know, people. And all the monsters look like more people and all the characters look more than than the bones. Which is your first visual hint that the born characters are not the story. This is not the story of the first three Bourne cousins. This is the story of a world full of secrets, and a, a dark and fantasy world, where something has gone horribly, horribly wrong. Now, the relationship between the Bournes is fantastic, because essentially we've got Heroic Bourne, um, who has a star in his chest, and he gets, gets the, the stuff done. Um, then we have uh, the Taller born. <laughs> Who has a cigar, of course he does, and a hat, and he's always trying to make money because that's what he's for. Uh, he is, of course. Um, and then obviously, we've got one born who's just your basic born character. He gets up to all the usual nonsense. Um, uh, so, yes. Um, what's it about? It's a quest It's a journey uh, It's about an exploration of secrets, And essentially We kind of We draw upon um, Lost princesses Hidden princes And stupid Stupid rat creatures The rat creatures By the by Are completely adorable They're large hmm. They have huge eyes They have huge teeth And one of them Desperately wants to be a vegetarian But he's not really sure What a vegetarian is He ate a vegetarian once, And he thinks it's a good idea Yeah uh, Yeah Um so, yes, Funny uh, is a kind of our hero for this. The various bones have various different interactions with the various characters and the village that they arrive into. Um, oh, my goodness. Um, a lot of the story revolves around form. Um She is a young lady who knows what she's doing. She has visions, and her grandma tries to steer her away from using her visions for any any sort of possible advantage. Um There's a reason for this. And again, there are secrets and lies throughout. The thing is, one of the things I kind of love about this is that no one particularly makes uh, a big fuss about the fact that the... I mean, obviously the bones don't look like normal people. But no one really makes a fuss about it because they just assume that there's, you know, weird things going on all the time. And as the story gets weirder, and we meet cat kings and giant monsters and you know baby baby rat creatures and heroic squirrels sorry heroic raccoons and so on it you know it continues along this line um, I'm making a terrible mess of this I really am no, so,
1: there's a lot there I mean just, just by looking at it, it, it it's like what a million pages so <laughs>
0: one of the running gags for all of this is the talk about um, Moby Dick
1: okay
0: and Moby, M- 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 Dick is one of the favourite books. Uh, everyone else thinks it's really boring, and he, he's desperately, he's desperately trying to go. Oh, but literature, but literature, and it's again, it's a meta commentary on what's going on. Because yes, but literature. Well, this is a comic book. Comic books can't be literature, can they? Of course they can. They'll be silly. Um One of my favourite characters is Rokjar, who is a, a giant cat who's very sheer Khan and he's very kind of you know, Hmm. Yes. Well, maybe I should just eat you. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: and and then yes, and then that would work.
0: I, I, it's it's full of all these various bits and pieces. When they finally do meet a dragon, because there is a dragon, and they will meet a dragon. Of course, there's a dragon. Of course, there's a dragon. It's, a fantasy. A, dragon. it's a fantasy story. It's got lost princesses. It's got the hidden valleys. It's got hidden empires. Um, of course, there's a dragon. But there's also there's also a tiny tiny flea who talks.
1: It. <laughs> of course there is. So is the humans. dragon? Is the dragon you know smug like Is um, it you know pits dragon? What kind of dragon is it?
0: It's sort of none of the above.
1: Oh, um.
0: sort of none of the above, and sort of everything that you'd also expect from a dragon at the same hmm. time. Um, doesn't pay a massive, massive part of it to ah. be honest. Um, I'm, I'm more of a fan of jar who very much does the the fill, fills in for being that kind of dragon at the end of the novel.
1: Is that a fairy? Um, there's fairies. I saw. Oh,
0: a fairy. there's fairies everywhere. Um. um so, yes. Um,
1: so, is it any good? It's
0: uh, it's it, it's it's absolutely marvellous. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's it's one of those ones that you can't actually read in one sitting, despite the fact that it's being a comic book. Um, and you know I enjoyed it immensely.
1: Is this this everything? Like, is there no more, or is there like other volumes? Like, is this just the complete story of the band? This family? is
0: the, this is the complete. Um, this, this is the, the the complete thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he has done other stuff since. Um, and he has built other stuff since. Um, but um, yes, this is this is the complete thing, um, all the way through.
1: What's? Where is? Um, who publishes it?
0: It is published by. Um, oh, that's a very good question. Um, you see, my v- volume just says cartoon books. You can certainly get it by a top shelf. You can certainly get it by pretty much anyone who will provide you comic books. Um, it's it's one of those ones that I find always, always seems to be on the shelf somewhere. Um. But yes, I mean <sighs> So your local
2: independent comic book re- retailer. Yeah, your yeah.
0: local independent comic book retailer. I I think they've done a horrendous disservice of describing Born to People. Um, I think I might have in this case been off slightly more than I can chew especially when it comes to the glorious glorious, stupid rat creatures and their leader um, <laughs> it's the fact that there's so many monsters with different factions and different ideas and it's the fact that it runs from, it runs from deadly deadly danger and horror to a hilarious comedy in the turn of a page as well and everyone has their own agenda and story but at the end of the day these are comic book characters in a not so realistic world so you, you get this kind of uh, you, you get this sort of glorious kind of dissonance between what's essentially a very straightforward fantasy story a comedy free strip gag strip that just happens to go on for about 500 pages mm-hmm. um, and also this kind of deep and involved fantasy adventure and um, you could you could take everyone out of this and just do phone story and it'd be a fairly slim volu- volume. You could take everyone out of this and just do the bone story and it'd be a very slim bo- volume. You could do a one-off about the rat creatures. You could do one-off about the Chart. Um None of this, none of this would work. Um, however, because you've mixed all these elements that shouldn't work together together, you get something much, much different instead. Um it's marvellous yeah. it's weird <clears throat> it's got monsters glow on it and I'm just going to show an in for the dragon
1: <laughs> that is one
0: sarcastic looking dragon
1: <laughs> he reminds me okay he reminds I watch My Little Pony with My Little Girl and he reminds me of Discord so for the lovers of My Little Pony out there if you know who Discord is that's who it reminds me of
0: he's more of I suspect actually I, I suspect it's the other way around I suspect that because this is. Came this out came out
1: before Discord
0: is... And he is, he, for me, the, the dragon in is one of those fundamentally sarcastic characters. He's just like, I have had enough of this These politics.
1: <laughs>
0: again, Rook Jaws Jor- Ro- Ro- is kind of the same. Of All I want to is do...
1: Is just eat your face. Is eat you.
0: and maybe play with you for a while. And then and eat then you eat again. You. Mm, but before we do any of that, would you mind rubbing my belly <laughs> <laughs> but not too much because then I will have to eat, eat you. you yes um, so, so yes it is marvellous what
1: kind of age would you say these, these, See, these this is the for? thing I
0: like about born is the fact that if I was to give this to an 8 year old they would enjoy it
1: ok so there's nothing it's, th-
0: no it's scary there are scary bits but they are scary bits in all good fairy tales
1: oh, well yeah no but I mean nothing untoward
0: oh there's no sexy bits but no, they are scary bits but they would miss a chunk of it out, if you say I mean. They would, they would miss a lot of the subtext. Um, so yes, Asterix meets the Sandman, born um, out on your local independent bookstore. So, we were at Golands Fest a little while ago, and we talked to some fantastic authors, uh, many of which will be coming up very soon, but for now, enjoy a conversation with Adam, or as he's known to uh, fantasy re- uh, readers, A.J. Dalton.
3: This is Fab Radio is Fab
2: International.
0: A.J. Dalton, welcome to the bookworm. Thank you. So, you're at Golands Fest in Manchester. Yeah. So what are you doing at the event and what are you expecting?
3: I'm um, moderating a panel. Um, I've been given the title of Demons versus Detectives vs. the Apocalypse vs. Space Soldiers. Um, and on the panel are Joanne, Joanne Harris, um, Ben Aranovich, uh, Richard Morgan and Joe Hill, if they get here from London on time. <laughs> we might have to go without them. Um, and I, I think the panel is about because I had to check with Sophie who, who set the question. Um, I think it's about the the emerg- all these emerging subgenres of fantasy. Are how distinct are they from each other? But and are they still all fantasy? What do they have in common? But what is distinct about them? Or are we being falsely lumped together?
0: Obviously, as a as a as a fan, I I, I enjoyed panels and I know what's in it for me. But what do you get out of panels like these?
3: What do I get out of panels like these um, is a very good question um, I, I do I, I like the intellectual side of writing um, you know turning up to do book signings and, and all of that is, is great talking to fans asking them about what characters they liked is one thing it's rewarding in its own way but then talking intellectually about the genre having read the genre for 20 30 years talking about the development in it and then lecturing in it at Manchester Metropolitan University down the road um, keeps me intellectually engaged and interested actually it keeps me passionate about the genre Um, and I read Magician by Raymond Feist when I was 15 and I read that and I'm like that's me I I will read and write fantasy for the rest of my life lastly you can't get a job as a philosopher in today's world so you have to write sci-fi and fantasy
0: what, uh, what book do you currently have out and what are you currently... Uh,
3: so The Book of Orm came out in April this year and it's a book of Scandinavian, Norwegian mythology inspired um, stories, trolls, you can read that as trolls, uh, but there are also forest demons, water imps etc, um, it's in all good bookshops and some bad ones as well I suspect.
0: Why are we now so fascinated with fairy tales and mythology? Why is the general public returned to these stories?
3: Yeah, uh, the the resurgence of the fairy tale subgenre is quite interesting. Um, it is written in a, a fanti- fairy tales are written in a very dreamlike quality. Um, if you go back to the Grimm's fairy tales, which, to be honest, are a retelling of the original oral tradition that we probably all dimly remember culturally um, they are they are told in a way that's that's not not real they are not credible the laws of reality and physics are broken very quickly and when those laws are broken very quickly in a story we immediately know they're symbolic the story becomes phantasmagorical fantastical and symbolic of our lives it is then for us to interpret these flashes and images and vignettes that happen to give you a very quick example which Angela Carter then used in her own work in Red Riding Hood, the wolf eats the grandmother, um, the hunter cuts open the wolf, takes out the grandmother, puts in seven heavy stones, stitches up the wolf. While the wolf's asleep, wolf doesn't wake up, wolf then wakes up, feels a bit thirsty, goes to the trough outside, and because of the stones in his stomach, falls into the trough and drowns. Now, I've tried doing that, I've, I've done a reenactment of that, and it, it doesn't work like that. It really doesn't work like that, and it's... It's all symbolic. It's all allegorical, and I think as a society we are looking for a new symbolism. We went through the millennium. We went through the credit crunch. We lost values that were working for us as an economy and a society, and I think we are looking for a new symbolic.
0: Sorry, just dialing that uh, that back a bit, Minis. Your wolf experiments.
3: Yes. Yeah. I, no wolves died in in that experiment. You'll be glad to know. <laughs> Some of my best friends are wolves. <laughs> Next question, quick, <laughs> quick, quick.
0: <laughs> Where, where is, where is fantasy as a genre going? Have we, has it, is it changing, or are we, why are we obsessed with the grim and gritty right now?
3: Yeah, um, I mean,
0: why, why is, what's it going to mutate into? Well, what's
3: the credit crunch done to us? I mean, before the credit crunch, we had epic fantasy of the '80s and '90s, where there was a chosen one. A very Thatcherite ethos of... It doesn't matter where you're born. You could be born in the kitchens of the castle. But if you work hard, you will rise and save society one day. Um, Just stay in your place and work hard. That was the message. Um, In the credit crunch, we have found that... Politicians have been making false expenses claims. We have found that the police are selling stories about victims to the newspapers. Newspapers are hacking phones. The people at the top of our society, the kings and queens... Are not there based on virtue and merit? Ep- epic fantasy is is not relevant to today's society, and we have had the dystopian become the dominant form of sci-fi slash fantasy now. Grimdark in fantasy, it's the most evil character in the room with the biggest sword that wins. It's not the 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 young child of virtue anymore.
0: Is that going to change, or do or or we? I hope
3: so. <laughs> oh, it's depressing. Um, i i like the reality of the grim it's it's closer to real life but i you need a sense of hope you do need a sense of hope and there is more experimental fantasy there is there are more subgenres um the f- actually fan fiction is exploring these new places of fantasy and yeah, um, it is changing in a healthy way. I think it's a creative moment. Is it's genre, exciting. It's is, exciting.
0: Is genre always going to be reactive in nature? Is the are the the bright stories of the past going to be responded to with dark stories, and is that cycle going to become faster now that we have things like fan fiction and information technology? I, th-
3: I think fantasy does respond to its social and historical moment. I, I also think it can lead the way. Um, you know, authors um do have to look at society and bigger frameworks of meaning and they do write important stuff and you know, let's jump into sci fi for a moment. Um you know, Star Trek famously invented types of technology which have now become real. You have to have the vision before you then design the machine that will deliver that vision. And I think sci fi and fantasy can lead in certain ways.
0: Is genre fiction as diverse as it thinks it is?
3: Huh. So, I I had a book rejected last year for being um, too much of a departure. I had a book rejected this year for not being enough of a departure. It is diverse, but it it can't run before it can walk. It it kind of has to take the audience with it step by step. It can't sprint ahead and leave everybody behind because people are like, "What, what the hell are you talking about? It is diverse. Um but it, it can't be as diverse as it would genuinely and creatively like to be I think.
0: What project have you, which you haven't had a chance to write as yet, would you love to write?
3: Uh, I am, my work is regularly edited. I would love to put out a book that, that wasn't edited but they won't let us do that sort of thing. Um, um,
0: have you been tempted by alternative marketing what, models? Well
3: I've gone in, I've gone I've, yeah, I've, I in my early days I, I self-published my stuff was considered too dark, so I did some of the earliest zombie books of this era. Um, I got lucky that dark fantasy then then became popular, so thank you Twilight. Um, I've done. Uh, I've gone back to my roots. I've gone dark fantasy again, but I've now been told you know, Grimdark's had its day and it's not doing it anymore. So I don't know. I don't know. You you kind of do have to bend to pressure to an extent. Um, I don't know. I think the best book I ever write probably won't get published in my lifetime.
0: What single piece of advice do you have for the 16-year-old version of yourself?
3: Um, Ask authors for more advice when you're younger. There's no formula for success, but there are definitely things to avoid. And if you can get told that early on, it will save you many years and a lot of hair loss.
0: Down to the last four questions.
3: Okay. The silly ones. The silly ones. Okay.
0: So... um you get to rescue one book that will survive until the end of all time, until the sun falls, up there, dies out. What book is that?
3: I would go with um, Marlowe's Dr. Faustus.
0: Simpsons or Futurama?
3: Um, just for Bart's dad, Homer, who sounds too much like me, I will go with Homer. Uh, Simpsons. Um, soldiers or Kings? Soldiers or Kings? Uh, I would go the Chamberlain.
0: And finally, truth or beauty? Uh,
3: I don't believe in either.
0: E.J. Dalton, thank you very much for your
3: time. Thank you. This is Fab Radio International. International. International.
1: Welcome back to the bookworm, everyone. Um, it's Fabio Radio International. It's Sunday. You're obviously sitting down with a cup of tea and listening to us. Well done. I hope you have a good book. Uh, so that was Ed's interview with AJ Dalton. And I'm loving that last response. Well done for being original. Truth <laughs> or beauty. Well, I don't believe in either. I quite like that. Um, also, I'm quite, just kind of chuffed because producer Al just went, oh, I think you listen to the to the show. <laughs> and I'm like, yay, people listen. <laughs> so, anyways, today's a bit of a weird show because we don't really have a theme. Um,
2: yes, we still managed to call one after
1: so, this. Somehow, yeah, we we sometimes do. But I'm like, they, today I was a bit of an, in a... Bit of a romantic mood, so I've picked a book that that I really love, and it's not my usual cup of tea. But um, it, it's just so pretty and nice and, and emotional that uh, I kind of thought, oh, today's the right day. I'm not hungover. I don't drink, so I'm, I'm not quite sure why. But yay! Um, so um I've picked *The Spell of Summer*, which is. Um, it's part of a series of books but it, it's one of those type of series where you can read it as a standalone and, and you don't need to read anything else uh, and it's the first in the series, it's called the Once Times Thrice series and it's by Diana Hardy uh, which is one of my favourite authors as well, um, so the, the story, it's, it's it's sort of like it's a contemporary story with a touch of magic and just enough magic for my liking to make it different um, the story is it's very simple um, Meredith is, is, is a, a young woman um, who lives in the city and she has a really good job and she has this the perfect fiance uh wealthy handsome everything seems to be um you know in her favor uh she also has kind of a wild child past though uh that she's trying desperately to sort of get over um when her mum um who is a um cancer survivor sort of drops the bomb that that she's unwell again um, things start spiralling and Mary sort of ends up running away to Cornwall which is a place she used to live in when she was really young and a place where she has some really lovely memories and um, from the other side of the pond Jamie who's sort of the male protagonist uh, has just split up with his girlfriend and has decided to take flight back and go back home uh, to Cornwall um, to be with his family in particular with his sister who's um, recently her husband's had an accident and she's been left with a bunch of kids and a life to try and put back together Um, so what sort of binds these two characters together is the fact that 13 summers ago they had this weird fantastic romantic night together Uh, there were kids, teenagers they met by chance, had a wonderful experience together and then they went their separate ways Um, but something tells me that you know they will kind of bump into each other again soon so that's sort of the premise of the whole story as I said it's, it's a very very romantic story um, but what I love about it and what I loved about it is is the fact that the, the characters they all have their own sort of emotional um, state and slowly although Jamie and Meredith are the main characters in the story you get to sort of see the lives of the other ones and how different types of love can make you happy and ecstatic and completely heartbroken all at the same time. Um the magic aspect's quite sweet because um Meredith's mum is, is a self proclaimed witch, you know, she's pagan, she, she does spells and things and and the whole sort of book revolves around this spell that Meredith um casts uh not believing in any of it she she doesn't subscribe to the whole witcher thing um, her mum is obviously a bit peculiar and quirky and she loves it for for she loves her for it but but she doesn't believe in it and yet that that night when she meets this this kid uh, and they have this wonderful time together she kind of feels this connection finds this spell buried somewhere and and Recites it to the wind, not thinking anything of it.
0: So, what you're saying is that that this is one spell miscast from being a wicked zombie story.
1: Oh god, yeah. I mean, it could have gone so many ways. It went the love way, and and the romantic and sweet and and really sort of emotional way. But it could have been anything. Um, that the, there's not a lot of emphasis, although the spell is mentioned here, there, and there's you know the the moment of revelation where she thinking oh i've met this guy again and and we were so good and there's obviously all this this emotion between us and this chemistry and it totally wasn't it can't be that spell nah that's just that's just no nah, it can't be that um and yet it it it's the the, the spell sort of weaves in between the pages and you kind of think what well, it, it could have been it may not be you know you could take it or leave it but it's there and it gives it that little sprinkle of magic that makes it different from is others is the magic
0: tangible or is it oh is it hard to say is it one it's of those It's very things hard
1: to say it's there you know the spell is there and you know she's cast it and you know where it came from and it was a spell that her mother wrote in a particular time of her life um where she needed to hang on to her love uh, and it was for completely different reasons that that her mum wrote this spell uh but her intent was different than her daughter's intent when she cast it uh but it's not you know there isn't any other um magical occurrences apart from what you would call fate um mm. that sort of brings the characters together or apart at times as well um it, it it isn't a magical world, you know there isn't a oh, I, I, you know, flick my wand or, or wiggle my nose and things happen. It is literally what if, maybe yes, maybe not. And it's it's very, very nicely done because, you know, I want to believe that the spell had something to do with it, but someone else reading it could take it or leave it. And it's just down to the reader, I think, whether they want to believe in, in the magic or not. Um but I, I I really enjoyed it, and as I said, it's not usually my cup of tea, because I tend to get bored of romantic stuff for the sake of romantic stuff. But this isn't what it was. It, there's like some real emotion, and I did cry because I'm a crybaby, and and you know, if there's sad or really happy stuff, I will I will shed a few tears, and I totally did, and I loved it. Um, I think I think if when I read it, and I think. Um, I reviewed it on Goodreads as well. There's a, a certain book that comes to mind, which is Practical Magic by Alice Hoffman, and not the not the movie. Uh, there is a wonderful movie with Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman that was a lot of fun. Book very different vibe from the movie, um, and this is very similar. So people that enjoyed that kind of thing, so it's a lot of introspection, a lot of you know let's look about life let's look at life and let's look at you know people's emotions and 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 people's sort of thoughts and feelings and how how they um, affect our choices in life and things like that there's a lot of that going on in the book and and the same with practical magic and then there's such just um that that subtle hint of what if there's something more that binds us together there, and what if we could manipulate these forces to get to get our happy ending?
0: You see, I'm, I'm desperately looking for reborn, trying to trying to um,
1: find a, a common theme. Find a the common theme. I don't. I don't there's, a,
0: there's a little old lady climbing a castle wall while being attacked by archers. I don't think there is really. Um, maybe maybe there's an illicit love affair between rat creatures. No. Nope. Um, so who's it on and what's it buy?
1: So um it's Bittenford Books the publisher, um and it's um, The Spell of Summer by Deanna Hardy. And you can get it on Kindle, you can get it from your um you know, any any bookstore really will be able to get it in for you.
0: In all good bookshops and maybe one or two one or two bookshops that aren't that good but they still have good books.
1: <laughs> There's no such thing as a bad bookstore, Edward. Now shut up and I'm, do penance.
0: I like the idea of a renegade bookstore actually. Not a so renegade bookstore. We not only
1: store bad books.
0: not 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 so much like a not good bookstore, but one that, you know, if it was a person would have like a leather jacket and <laughs> kind of be like, hey, I don't think there's I'm anything wrong with bad.
1: that <laughs> um, but yes we'll be back shortly for a quick chat about the theme is write what you love and, and and you know you don't need to care about whether people are going to get it or not because someone will get it if you lo- really really wrote it because you loved it
0: I, I always find that Nanarimo is a national novel writing month in case you, you've missed it um, and Nanarimo has been has been the start of uh, quite a few careers at this point Um, various people who have a book inside them and haven't had the tongs to extract it have used NaNoWriMo to to get that final push they need to actually start the work. Um, Shall we go through the basics that almost every other writer tells you with NaNoWriMo?
2: Well, our tumblers are supposed to think.
0: Oh, has it? It has. Well, the, the basics, as I can gather them, is this. Your National Novel Writing Month book if you are doing it to, to write a book that you will hope will be someday published, this is the start of your journey. When the when when the month ends, you need to keep writing and then you need to keep editing and you need to keep planning because you will almost certainly not be finished. If you are finished, well well done, but you maybe you should put it in a drawer, give it a couple of weeks, come back to it and see how you can change it. That is general standard advice you yeah. get from a lot of places.
1: So so, um, None a remote. It's basically fifty thousand words in a month. Yeah. But if you write more, well done. If you write less, well done. Because you know, you've you, something. Exactly. Even if you've written one thousand words, then that's a thousand words more than you would have written normally. And it's to try and encourage people, not just you know aspiring authors, but just anyone can be a storyteller. And you know, everyone's they say everyone's got a book inside them. Some people have a short story. Some people have empty pages, like <laughs> Kanye West. <laughs> well, <laughs> Do you remember
0: yeah. his oh, book? Goodness, oh goodness, yes. God.
1: But no, no, no fans, no fans.
0: No, no, Kanye, you West. Every offence mate? it was an exercise in <laughs> narcissism, mate, and you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> um, sorry.
2: Political. But the, the the aim of Nano is fifty thousand words, isn't it? Which is probably not quite a novel. Um, is my understanding? It's I mean, and an a novel is going to be anywhere between like eighteen, hundred, twenty thousand, yeah, isn't it? No Ish. It's ish. a bit
1: more, like, anything above 50,000 words will be counted in. Yeah. It depends on the genre as well, because some genres, like, fantasy call for 100,000 million words. Yeah. But things like, you know, young adult book... Would we'll be a bit easily, 50, 60, to, 70. Yeah, 50 to 70, mm. 50 to 80,000 words. Uh, 50,000 would be fine. A um good
0: analogy that was explained to me by various people is... Nanowrimo is your first piece of training for that half marathon you always wanted to run. Mm-hmm. If writing a novel is a marathon, oh god, yeah. Now Nanowrimo is your first half marathon, so get on the starting block. And, and, Vern, have you been training? Have you done your writing push ups? Writing push ups, of course, are drebbles. Uh, uh, 100, 100 word pieces of short fiction that you can write on the bus. And by the by, don't be ashamed that if you get get into Nanomimo and you've just realised that you should start writing, you don't have to do the 50,000 words. If you set yourself a goal of writing 20 short stories that are only 100 words long, brilliant.
2: It's still writing, isn't it? The, um, the thing we've talked about before is that somebody, and I can't remember who it is, um, has said, you know, October should be National Novel Planning Month. November should be National Writing Month, and December should be National edi- Editing Month. And in fact, for October there has been like a calendar every day of things to help you to plan out your book. Chuck I've Wendy. done about the first two days, mm. <laughs> but I started mid-October. So I, it I've only tried Wendy Nano once,
1: point. and I did write um, about twenty thousand words. Yeah, um, yeah oh. and then uh, my computer died and um. took my twenty thousand words away. <gasps> and, <gasps> no! and I cried so hard. It's yeah. still in my head and like it's, it's one of those books that I, I'll always want so our, our further advice
2: would be back up to the cloud
1: absolutely <laughs> well it, the thing is if I could have done I would have done
0: Warren Ellis has a wonderful rant about this Warren Ellis is a comic book writer who's also written some marvellous no- novels we've reviewed some of them before I think included I rather but in, in essence storage will always fail you storage say it again say it with me storage will always fail you if you are writing, stick stuff on a USB stick. But remember, storage will always fail you. If you value your work, back it up to something, then back it up to something else. Yeah. There, there are plenty of cheap cloud storage so systems yeah, out there. So, Google Drive. Google and you can do
2: worse than Google Drive.
0: But storage mm, will mm. always fail mm. you. So make sure that you've got a backup. The, the classic story that Morvan um, Ellis gives is that uh, not was he was using uh, i think it was gorilla drive which is like google drive but um he also put half of half of one of his his novels on a, a usb stick that was uh, redundancy backed up so it was like three usb sticks sandwiched into each other so if one had gone down the other one would still work it was wrapped in kevlar it, which was then wrapped in steel that then had a secure top he then put it in a messenger bag, which his daughter then borrowed, no. and the stick vanished.
2: No.
0: So you know always. So the most
2: of this is don't have children.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that yeah. as well. But uh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's,
1: it's it's as I said, I've, I've never tried it since, mainly because work, real life. Is our, is mm. our esteemed
2: colleague Russ
1: doing nano this year? Did I have I did know. I have that conversation with him?
0: I, I think he's in the middle of some writing project. But he's. Right? he's
1: got his third book uh, on the pipeline at oh. the moment, so um, he's got that to do, and then I know that he has a new, brand new project as well, apart from the Grenchall Manor Chronicles, so that'll be interesting This to see. November,
0: I have six uh, I have six columns to write, six other columns to write, three features, and a script. I don't think I've got time for a book.
1: I, I think... That's enough, right? In, uh, in my book. <laughs> like, like you know, just done to do that, <laughs> it'll be fine. But then again, you know, you're not someone that particularly needs nano. No, I don't think.
0: I think I think it's good for uh, certainly if, if you're the sort of person that thinks, oh, I've always wanted to write, and you kind of need the discipline and you need the push. Then it's useful because I've always wanted to write like a novel. Novel Mm. that is mine. I'm you know not working as a co co a collaboration with anyone. But I kind of want to do another edition short stories before I do that. Yeah. Are we running out of time? Yes.
1: Already. Yes. But yeah, um, November. Write your novel, fifty thousand words. Starts today. Um, I'm we'll pull sure up, we'll
0: put up links to the sites on the things. Absolutely. And if you need characters to to kill, uh, Ed Fortune is a fantastic name to, to randomly murder someone. <laughs> um, if, if if you know, I'm just suggesting that if you just need a random name.
1: Mm-hmm. You don't want to just be in a book. You just want to.
0: Starburst Magazine, the world's longest-running magazine of sci-fi,
3: horror, and fantasy. Get the latest news, features, interviews, and reviews from your favorite genre. Available from a newsagent near you or download
0: to your iPad today. so I've been Ed Fortune for the rest of the day I'll be a small goldfish
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've been Nympha Hayes and I'll just be in for because
3: I'm boring
2: The Bookworm is a truly outrageous production for Fab Radio International and Starburst magazine presented by Ed Fortune and Nympha Hayes produced by A.L. Johnson <laughs>